Hey, this is Jimmy. Today on Theocast, the guys talk about depression. It's something that's more common than we like to believe, even within the lives of Christians. We hope to bring some helpful definitions around what depression is and what it is not. We also look at various scriptures and see just how common it is, even within the broad narrative of the Bible. In our members podcast, we talk about how we can helpfully counsel people who are working through depression. We hope you find this conversation helpful. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, as a quick reminder, if you'd like to join Theocast and helping other people find rest in Christ, a simple way of doing that is simply by leaving us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can also leave reviews on all of our books. They're available at amazon.com. And if you haven't started following us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook yet, that's a great way to take our content and then share it with your friends and family. To learn more about how to support Theocast, simply visit theocast.org slash give. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Conversations about the Christian life from a Reformed perspective. Our hosts today are John Moffat, pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee, Justin Perdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina, and myself, Jimmy Bueller, pastor of Christ Community Church in Wilmer, Minnesota. Gentlemen, good to see you. John, it sounds like you have some updates for us and the listeners, so why don't you take it away? It does sound that well, way. Well, we've been, yeah, we've been working hard uh, here at Theocast. We've uh, we've been trying to raise some donations and some some support so that we can provide more services for you, the listener, and for churches around the world. One of the things we've been working on is primers, just simple introductions to some pretty heavy theological concepts. So one of the ones we have coming out here soon, it may even be out by now, uh, we're working on a primer on assurance, which is probably the number one question we get, uh, questions around assurance, concerning assurance, uh, works and salvation. So that was uh, something that we're providing. But we're going to do some more primers, just simple, uh, real small booklets for you to whet your appetite on things like redemptive historic understanding of Scripture, law gospel distinction, Christ-centered preaching. These are the kind of subjects that we're wanted to put into your hands so that you can— one, a benefit from them, but two, share them. They're, they're super easy to hand out, and we can begin to help more and more people find rest in Christ. So you can go over to the website and find that. And uh, by now, our Ask Theocast podcast is up and running, and we're, <laughs> we're working through all the bugs of that. At any time you start something new, theoretically in your brain, it sounds fantastic. And then when it goes down to paper— you see all the ink blotches. And so <laughs> yeah, right. we're all feeling that right yeah. now. The execution is another thing. That's right. That's yeah. Right. You know, some, some, something I like to say is, you know, at some point, every good idea just becomes work. So certainly that's, that's yep. where we are. Although that, we are excited. We are re- excited for these, these new resources. So, yes. Yeah. That whole reality of, of trying to actually execute the vision can really be depressing at points, I think. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I, absolutely. I go to, I go to bed at night and I tell my wife, hey, I got this new idea. And the every time she says, so who's going to do that? I'm yeah. Like, oh, that's well, right. Um, I'll find, I'll figure it out somehow. We'll find a way. Well, that's why. Point is. That's why, that's why John brought us on the podcast. So we would just do it. That That's right. That's right. Can you work <laughs> great? Can you write? You're in. <laughs> yeah. All right. Excellent. So, well, JP, anyways. you, uh, you, 
you gave us a little hint towards it, but what, what are we what are we talking about today? Yeah, dad joke. I tried. I tried, Jimmy. John wasn't taking it. <laughs> no, he wasn't. Today, no, that's fine. he wasn't. It's it's fine. It's fine. I'm used to it. We just roll right on through. Today, we're talking about something that is going to be, uh, I think, relevant for many people. It's um, we're going to be talking about mental and emotional health, and in particular, we're going to be talking about depression, which is a, a common struggle for for people, for many of us, and. The Bible, we're thankful, is not silent on these matters. We know that because of sin and the fall, our entire personality, meaning not just our bodies, but also our minds, our hearts, um, all of the the realities of the psychosomatic union and everything wrapped up in being a human being, all of that has been affected by sin. And so we tend to struggle mentally and we tend to struggle emotionally in terms of how we're thinking and how we're feeling. And so many of us find ourselves in in places where we're feeling flat, we're feeling gray, we're feeling discouraged, despondent, despairing. Um, that's it's not altogether unreasonable in a fallen world, right? Where death and suffering and all of these kinds of things are are the norm, you know. And and bad things happen. And so to be depressed is not insane in a Genesis 3 Ecclesiastes world. And so we're glad that the Bible speaks to these realities. God's people through history have lamented and have despaired about their condition and the things that they experience. And we're also thankful that the Bible points us to the the steadfastness of God and his utter faithfulness. And so we want to have a good conversation today from a Reformed biblical perspective about depression. And we're going to get get into a number of things and touch on a number of things. We want to try to describe depression and what it might be like for people that that fight it, that experience it. What is it? What is it not? Because I think there's some misunderstandings that we want to point out. We want to talk about where it comes from. And then we want to recalibrate the perspective and the thinking with respect to depression in the church. And how do we go about handling these things pastorally? How do we go about encouraging one another as brothers and sisters in the faith? How do we think well about God's faithfulness even in the face of depression and sorrow and despair? So we hope this is a, a, a obviously an encouraging conversation, but we hope that this is clarifying for some people and, and hope-giving. Um, in the midst of of battling sorrow and and the dark night of the soul and melancholy and those kinds of things. So yeah, yeah guys, let's let's begin the conversation with what depression is and maybe some of the things that it is not. Sure. Yeah, that's really helpful, Justin. So uh recently put out an article on Theocast on the website about my own experience with depression and Mayo Clinic uh, large, influential research hospital here in Minnesota. They describe depression as a mood disorder that causes persistent feeling of sadness, loss of interest. It affects how you feel, think, and behave. It can lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems. Um, you can struggle with doing day-to-day things, day-to-day thought patterns, things of that nature. Now, uh, th- I what I wrote in that article that is on Theocast.org is that's certainly a great definition and I think it does help kind of bring frame around the topic. But one of the things that I like to say just really simply kind of a layman, um, laity definition is depression is just a monster. Uh, it, it feels like there is a consistent weight on top of you. And I think one thing that I want to be very clear, overly and abundantly clear 
from in the beginning is depression does not equate to to mere sadness. Uh, like I can be sad mm-hmm. over over the the you know the death of a family member. I can be sad over a particular circumstance, but I, I can ultimately know that these things will pass. Where depression almost feels like an inescapable weight that it's really difficult to pinpoint feelings. Like even in my own experience with depression, there were days where I certainly laughed and joked and smiled and played and experienced good time, if you will. But there was always this gnawing sense underneath that something was definitely off. And so I want to be very careful to say that depression is not necessarily sadness as much as it is kind of a heaviness of spirit. Um, melancholy is kind of the the old word that was used. Uh, you know, Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon uses that word a lot, uh, having a melancholic state. And so wondering if, if you guys want to jump in and kind of frame that definition a little bit more as well. I think you're right, Jimmy, in pointing out a common misconception that depression just means that you're sad all the time. And I, I think that's a flattening of it. It it can be sadness, but there's a lot more to depression than that. A lot of times it's a it's a feeling of of flatness and like I'm just emotionally gray and I'm devoid of feeling even. And sometimes it's it's deep anguish and agony of the soul. And then sometimes it is just this like I honestly don't know that I feel anything about anything. And like if somebody it's been said before, not not just by me. Um, and it sounds hyperbolic, but for people that have experienced the throes of depression, it's not. You're, you're thinking to yourself, if somebody honestly were to kill one of my children, I don't know that I would feel anything. Like, I just feel mm-hmm. that devoid of emotion. And I'm just that flat yeah. and that gray. And I think, you know, even, even Abraham Lincoln, I mean, I know we're going to recommend a book here in a minute. Jimmy and I are probably like fighting over who gets to recommend this particular resource on depression first. <laughs> you can have it. You um, can have it, man. So we were, we're, we're both like waving around. And I mean, we might even do it for those of you who are on YouTube. I mean, we're waving around this book here, Spurgeon Sorrows by our brother, Zach Eswine. It's, I think, the most accessible, really good treatment of depression that I've ever read from a biblical theological perspective. But he quotes Abraham Lincoln in the book. Uh, and it's absolutely excellent. What Abraham Lincoln even said about his own depression, he says, I am now the most miserable man living. If what I feel were equally distributed to the whole human family, there would be not one cheerful face on earth. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. I awfully forebode that I shall not. To remain as I am is impossible. I must die or be better, it appears to me. It's a gripping quote that I don't know if I'm going to get better, but if I don't get better, I just need to die because I can't remain as I am because this is how just really like perplexed and troubled in my soul I am. And so I, I think this is the experience for many people. And last thing I'll say about the, the existential piece of this is that sometimes this is related to circumstances and sometimes Absolutely. it is completely, completely unrelated to anything circumstantial because you're, you're even thinking my life is actually going okay. Like my, my job's going well and my, my family's healthy and, and we're, we're pretty stable and, and I really don't have a lot to complain about yet. I am depressed. And then there are other seasons where, yeah, it's like, okay, it's obvious that some of these circumstantial realities are contributing to my, my melancholy. So it's a, it's a strange thing to know exactly where this comes from. 
for people. And it's not just this one-to-one, oh, well, this is why you're depressed. This doesn't work yeah. quite, quite like that. Mm-hmm. I myself have never, nor have I ever met anyone who wants to be depressed or wants to remain in that state as if there's they some know, kind right? of benefit to it. There, there are some sins that are, you know, it's like people do them because they enjoy it. And I'm not calling depression a sin, but there are, there are causes. One can find themselves in deep depression. Uh, David did at times find himself in deep depression because of his own sin. And then other times he, he, he's, he can't point to a sin that's causing his, the melancholy of the soul that he is experiencing. And I would say that what's, what's hard for many is that they aren't given, they aren't given a category for what they're feeling. The church has unfortunately completely jumped or dropped the ball on how it is that, that we have uh, communicated this to the church. Agree. The, one quick interjection, John, just to, to maybe clarify, I, I'll at least speak for myself and you brothers may very well agree. Like you said, I, I'm not calling depression a sin. I think that depression is something that comes upon people as a result of the fall, which I know we're going to talk about in just a moment. There can, of course, be sinful responses to that, you know, in, yeah, in terms of, of how we handle and deal with the depression that comes upon us. And I know we'll, we'll clarify those things. Just wanted to interject briefly. Yeah. yeah, and we will. We'll, we'll get into that in just a minute. But what I, what the relief that I'm hoping to bring for some people is that they are unwilling to admit, and some, some may not be able to clinically define it or even be able to point out, hey, I am depressed. I had a good pastor friend of mine who we were meeting with, and at one point the doctor we were with finally just said, I don't think you know this, but you are depressed. Like you are clinically depressed. Yeah. And begin to describe what depressed people experience, and it wasn't in point, It wasn't until someone told him that he was depressed, and he was willing to admit it, that he could begin to now work on, uh, you know, maybe what caused it or what's leading to it. Uh, but sometimes people, depression sounds like an unspiritual state. That if you admit right. that you're in this position that there's something wrong with you spiritually or there must be something wrong with you. And then, of course, people always assume, well, you just need to think about all the benefits of life that you have. And look at how many, and then they get, they go down this list of every reason or, why you shouldn't be depressed. Or it gets worse theologically. People are like, oh, you're depressed. Well, don't you understand the sovereignty of God? Don't you trust the Lord? Don't you know that he's yeah. faithful and good and that he's going to work all things for your eternal good? Don't you know that? And the answer to that question yeah. would be, yeah, I absolutely do know that, and I am, and I am still battling depression and despondency. What do you have for me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, there, there certainly, there certainly are a barrage of bad treatments out there. And I, again, as as much as as much as I can emphasize for the listener, something to be ever so mindful of is that depression often is not. I just I feel sad about this experience or I feel sad about about this aspect of my life like you considering my own experience beautiful wife beautiful children beautiful home um during the time that I was going through my depressive state like there was very little in my life circumstantially that gave me good reason but I mean if you mix some of the things that I was working through personally as well as some of the things just the natural dispositions that I had as have as a person, it 
it's so much more than just a feeling of sadness. I, I, I do like the word despondency that I just often just felt numb. Like I, I would see, I would see something positive and I'd be like, yeah, that's, that's great. But I, I don't have this overly emotive response to things. And so, and certainly my day to day experience would be different. I mean, there certainly would be some days that getting out of bed was just, just a struggle. And not every day was like that. And so perhaps we can kind of pivot the, the conversation to, we've talked about this a little bit. Let's, let's maybe kind of bring this to a, a more Christian perspective. What are some of the things that you find are, are very unhelpful in the ways that the, the broader Christian church, the broader evangelical church treats depression, defines depression, and how they, how they try to get people out of it, so to speak? What do you, what do you guys find? Yeah, I've been around uh, this for quite a while now. With Theocast, we did a uh, episode on this very early on in our first few episodes, and we the correspondence that we received was very sad. It was uh, depressing to say the least. We heard stories about people who were trying to work through lifelong battles of depression and evangelical leaders in their lives, their pastors or counselors, were giving them advice that would only trap them, handcuff them, and even lead them into greater depths of despair because they were not listening or they weren't uh, aware. And there's even, you know, within the whole biblical counseling world, the idea that you would ever allow some kind of medication for depression is sinful. And how dare you not trust in God's word and God's plan for God's word. And that is to me, that is, that is so devoid of, of just being, I I think, kind and considerate. There are pain medications that the side effect. So if I, if I have arthritis, I take this pain medication. Well, the side effect of this pain medication is depression. Like it it is, uh, it is common, but yet I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel the pain. And so I'll have to take this antidepressant so that I can, one, be without pain and not be depressed. And to tell someone that that's a, that's a sin is, is I'm sorry, but that is just not biblical. So when, we, when we're talking about depression and medication, to immediately say, if you are taking antidepressants, then you are not trusting in God. I'm sorry, but that is just not a biblical perspective that you can argue from. Yeah. Can I can I just be super raw with the listener that I sure. myself I am on a daily low dosage antidepressant. Uh that that when I do not take this, my mind will go all sorts of places and run all sorts of miles per hour. And so it it has when when I met with medical professionals and and cuz I had all sorts of misconceptions, you know, I just thought that Taking 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 a medical antidepressant was going to like, you know, quench the Holy Spirit within me that I wasn't going to be able to feel anything. And meeting with medical professionals who actually walked me through what happens in your body physiologically, because it's so important to remember. I think one of you said this earlier. We are spiritual people, we are emotional people, and we are physical people. And there are certain certain things in our bodies, chemical imbalances, structures, things that that God we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so what I have found is that the way it was explained to me, these things can help bring you level rather than keep you in the negative, so to speak. And so 
I mean, I will just be open and honest with the listener to say it has been profoundly helpful. Now, it's not the only source mm-hmm. of treatment that I have, but but certainly sure. it is very helpful for my overall mental health. We are excited to announce that we have a new free ebook available at our website called Faith versus Faithfulness, a primer on rest. And we, the host, put this together to explain the difference between emphasizing one's faith in Christ versus emphasizing one's faithfulness to Christ, and how one leads to rest and how the other often to a lack of assurance. And you can get this at theocast.org slash primer. And if you've been encouraged by what you've been hearing at Theocast, we'd ask you to help partner with us. You can do that by joining our Total Access membership. That's our monthly membership that gives you access to all of our material that we've produced over the last four years, or simply by donating to our ministry. And you can do that by going to our website, theocast.org. We hope that you enjoy the rest of the conversation. John, to pick up on what you were describing before I maybe add some other thoughts, I think we need to remember always when it comes to the conversation about depression, that that mercy and compassion always make room for the answer you're not expecting in terms of why somebody is, is depressed. You know, like we would do well in the church just to remember that reality. But I think, I think some of the misunderstanding with respect to depression and a whole host of other issues, but we're talking about depression today comes from a, a short selling of the doctrine of the fall and sin. We, I think sin and the fall have affected us far more than most are willing to acknowledge, even in the church. It's a deeper, yeah. just more overarching total reality. So in the 1689 London Baptist Confession, chapter six, in paragraph two and three, it's on, it's on sin and the fall of man, right? And it's punishment. There's language like this, that as a result of, of Adam and Eve's sin, we all have now become wholly defiled in all the faculties and parts of soul and body. There's language yeah. of how we are now, because of Adam and Eve's transgression, in Adam we have become the servants of sin, the subjects of death, and all other miseries, spiritual, temporal, and eternal, unless the Lord Jesus set them free. So I think what we have to acknowledge here is that death and misery have entered the world through Adam and Adam's fall, and we now have all inherited that condition. So sin, one thing that we're, we're very adamant about here on Theocast, and, and this is just true in Reformed theology wholesale, is that sin is a state, it's a condition before it ever is an action. And Absolutely. so we see the effects of sin everywhere in creation. We see it in our bodies. So this is an observation that I've made. We are really comfortable in the church to acknowledge sin's effects on our bodies in at least this way, that we're all dying, right? We're all going to die. And then our bodies break down. I mean, we'll, we'll joke about how our knees hurt or how our joints are bothering us or how we can't do what we once could do, you know, cause we're all getting a little bit of gray in our beard and our hair and everything else. And it's like, yeah, man, I can't do it. Like I once did it. We'll talk like that in the church easily, oh, but Jimmy, right? <laughs> yeah, we, but right. here's, but here's the great irony. We are often very slow and, and hesitant to admit the wreckage and the struggles that exist in our minds and our hearts as a result of sin. Because here's, here's the thing. I think many, many evangelicals anyway have bought into the lie that emotional, mental, and spiritual struggles should not exist for the Christian, at least not yeah. for the good and faithful types, right? Like yeah. if we, or here, here we go. If you get your theology right, 
you you won't have these problems. You know, if you just understand things the right way, you won't struggle with depression. So unhelpful. And we just we just want to come in and say, um, no, like we actually because of sin and the fact that it's a condition and a state that we live in, we should expect Christians, even faithful Christians with good theology, to battle things like depression. Right. And right. It it's absolutely fundamentally like it's critical that we would recalibrate yeah. the conversation from the jump with that to yeah. say you're not crazy if you're if you're yeah. battling this yeah yeah i think i i think something that you said justin is really helpful that we are very quick to recognize the effects of sin on our physical bodies right that there there is no immortal <laughs> that has walked the earth right that we we all experience the effects of sin in that way I mean, certainly we can we can stay certain aspects of of physical negativity, but through diet and exercise, things like that. But we seem to make a shift when it comes to like our our mental health that we can control it, which is positive thinking. We can just control can just it, as you it. said. With yeah, we can we can become overcomers with with good theology that everything's going to be smooth sailing. Uh, when the fact of the matter is no. There, there is such thing as the noetic effects of sin that every yeah. crevice within your personhood has been impacted by the curse of the fall, and we need to be sensitive to that. Um, and it's also, it's also, as we think about counseling people, we also need to be sensitive that, man, as you think about even just physical exercise and and physical weight training, like. Those of you that are looking at this video, Justin and I are shaped very differently, right? We are physically shaped differently. Uh, one of us is attractive oh, and the other one is, is, is Justin. And so as we think about these things, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Preacher, right? come on now. <laughs> but, but I mean, honestly, me getting in shape physically is going to look different than, than Justin. And so we can't just go in with a a shotgun approach and say, well, if you want to stop being depressed, you just got to do this and do this and do this. There is a a patience and a slowness that we need to approach people's souls and care for them and understand their circumstance and their unique struggles and their unique dispositions that it's not as simple as we like to make it sound. That's right. Yeah, the solution when we're providing help and comfort to people is not always the same. For, you know, this is obvious. You, you, we all have a number of children. Um, and so because you have multiple children, you know that when you deal with your children, if there's a frustration or even discipline issues, you do not discipline your children all the same because of their disposition and their personality and how they, how they process uh, a discomfort in, Every single one of my kids, I have to, I talk differently to to all of them because of the way that they receive information. Well, when it comes to uh, someone who's battling something as gripping as depression, there is not a one, one, one solution. I mean, here's the thing. Salvation is simple. There is one solution to your problem when it comes to your standing before God. It's called Jesus Christ, the gospel. But when it comes to the rest of life, it is not as simple. And the Bible makes it very obvious that it's not that simple. When Paul cries out 
in his own frustration, with his own pain and suffering, and he calls it a thorn in the flesh, when Paul describes his own battle with the flesh, and he says, who will save me from this body of death? After his salvation, being a regenerate, spirit-filled person, he still struggles with the, the body, and he still struggles with his own sin. And Paul does not always give these solutions that are just a one-stop shop, will fix all. Because there is, here's, here's the biggest, I think, um, if, if you've been listening to Theocast, hopefully you're picking up on this. We are not offering you the solution to the victorious Christian life. Because there is no such thing as the victorious yeah. Christian life. There's the hope of the Christian life. But the victory right. does not come until Christ returns. Right. Yeah, Christ is victorious. And we will right. be victorious in that sense in him for eternity. <clears throat> but as it is right now, I mean, this is a, a conversation that we've had before about the theology of the cross versus the theology of glory. We're going to be weak and we're going to struggle now. Yeah. And glory is coming. You know, and it will, it will consummatively be revealed in us and to us and through us when Christ returns for us. I, I want to just read a, a few passages from Scripture, like just some, some Bible verses here to maybe comfort those who are experiencing depression. Because I, I know one of the things we say on Theocast all the time is, you are not crazy. Like if you are feeling these kind of ways, you are not alone and you have not lost your mind. God's people through history have known this kind of experience and have known this kind of despair. I mean, I'm thinking of language like in Psalm 77, where Asaph will talk about how he says, when I, I can't sleep at night, but he says, when I think about God, when I remember God, I moan. And when I meditate, my spirit faints. And God, you're holding my eyelids open, and I'm so troubled that I can't speak. The entirety of Psalm 88, like, just go read it. Like, it begins and ends in darkness. Like, it, it doesn't lift. It just it talks about the experience of being cast into the pit, and God, you've put me in regions dark and deep. You've slain me. It's like I'm lying in the grave. People don't even remember me anymore. Like, I'm like a man who has no strength. Solomon in Ecclesiastes 2 talks about how he hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me. For all is vanity and a striving after wind. All man's days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart doesn't rest. This is the language of Scripture. Paul talks in 2 Corinthians 1 about being, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of what we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. This is the Apostle Paul. And then in Job 7, some of the, this some of those gripping words that I've read in all of Scripture for me. Job says, when I say, my bed will comfort me, my couch will ease my complaint. Like, God, if I could just sleep, it would be better. Then you scare me with dreams and terrify me with visions so that I would choose yeah. strangling and death rather than my bones. I loathe my life. I would not live forever. Leave me alone for my days are a breath. I mean, my goodness. Jesus was a man of sorrows. He was sorrowful to the yeah. point of death in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Like these yeah. are the words of Scripture. So like weary saint who is out there listening, who may, you may be finding yourself right now in the deep, dark throes of depression. You are not alone, and God's people have known this. Your Savior has known sorrow to the point of saying yeah. he, he felt as though he could die. So like take heart and, and look to Christ. Yeah. Yeah, I think adding the two of these together, understanding, and we'll do a, we'll do a podcast on this soon, understanding your state as a sinner, sin as state versus sin as action. Yeah. 
the, the, the often what we suffer is because of the state we were born in. We were born into Adam. We were born depraved. We were born with sinful, broken bodies. In the garden, when Adam sinned, the, the ground was cursed. And from that, all of humanity has felt this curse. So your father is not ignorant of these things. This is his book. We, we have to understand the way in which he has allowed this world or he has uh, formed this world. And to add to some of what Justin's saying, the comfort often is to, off, to offer someone who is, finds themselves in depression, even though you may not feel these truths about God, this is how God feels about you, no matter how you feel about him. And some Good of night. these truths are from Psalm 56, 8, where he says, you have kept count of my tossings or of my misery. You have kept count, meaning God is not ignorant of your level of depression every single day. It says, you put my tears in your bottle. They Are they not in your book? Every point, every moment, every second of suffering, your father is absolutely aware of it. He is not ignorant of it. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Uh, again, this is, for me, what the, the one comfort that I like to offer anyone who finds themselves either with depression or even in anxiety is the, the God of the Bible is the God who knows. He is not unaware. He is not ignorant. Uh, one last verse Amen. I love to give people just to kind of add to some of what Justin was saying is Psalm 57, 15, when he says, or sorry, Isaiah 57, 15, when he says, for thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy places and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Meaning those, the God of the universe, this high and holy God we serve comes down to you who feels numb and depressed, who, who feels a lack of all things and does not get angry with you. He says he comes to revive you. And again, to remind you is that that hope is of your future. You may not feel that reviving now. The hope that often God provides for us is you're probably going to die of something. Well, you are going to die, and it's probably going to be something horrible like cancer or a car accident or very few people die in their sleep. Very few. And the hope that God provides is that, listen, this misery you're experiencing is not your final destiny. That is safely secured with me in heaven. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I want to pick up on, on an idea that uh, Zach Eswine talks about in this book, Spurgeon Sorrows, in, in that often we can, I think wrongly within the Christian life, we can assume that a, a, a depressive state means an absence of grace, uh, an absence of God's work in your life. And he has a right. wonderful quote where he says, we sufferers of depression in Christ may grow terribly weak, even in faith, but we are not lost to God. Contrary to those who tell us that we do not have enough faith or that we are condemned because of our inability to smile more, Depression of spirit is no index of declining grace. It is Christ and not the absence of depression that saves us. So we declare this truth. Our sense of God's absence does not mean that he is so. Though our bodily gloom allows us no feeling of his tender touch, he holds on to us still. Our feelings of him do not save us. He does. And I think that's wonderful news. And yeah, that, is, that, is, that is the gospel that 
people who struggle with mental and emotional health need to hear is that even in the midst of numbness and tears and the swaying of your emotions, we are ever so mindful that it is not our grip of Christ that saves us, but rather his grip of us that does. And often the goal, the goal in depression should not always be, I just want to feel better. I just want to get out of it. Well, certainly that would be nice. But, you know, Zach Eswine talks about in the same way that believing in Jesus may not cure your asthma, and it might, it probably won't <laughs> right. cure your asthma. Uh, the same way that believing in Jesus, it, it just may not cure your depressive state, that it could be a battle that you rage with day in and day out, that there is no side, there is no state this side of heaven where you're going to feel, and I'm just really, I just feel really good all the time, 100% of the time. But but right. rather, as, as, as we have been saying, the hope of the Christian life is the resurrection, that we will be made new, Word. that we will, we will be glorified. And, and when we are longing for the feelings of not being depressed, well, we are going to fully experience those in the new heavens and new earth. And that's what we look to is Christ, not, not, not our feelings about him. Yeah, I think one of the problems in the church is this perspective regarding depression and a whole host of other struggles and battles against sin is that you should be better by now. Like if you're in Christ Jesus, right. you should be better than you are. And I, I think just a brief word of comfort, picking up on what Jimmy was saying to everybody out there who's battling depression, even today or anxiety or some kind of darkness of the soul. The fact that you are experiencing depression does not for one second mean that you are not in Christ Jesus. Like it's critical right. that we would understand that. The fact that you are depressed does not for one second mean that you're not in Christ. And so I think what we need to do in the church, broadly speaking, is recalibrate how we talk about this and how we even define, um, I, dare I even say the word progress, because I think it's a dangerous word uh, when it comes yeah. to depression or something like that. But I, I mean, we need to redefine the word. Or another word that's thrown around a lot is victory. Like we want to help people get victory over depression. It's like, well, I, I don't even know what to make of that statement, depending on what you mean by that word. Because typically yeah. what, what folks mean in the evangelical world when we speak this way is like, well, okay, here's the goal for you, brother. Here's the goal for you, sister. We need to get you to a place where you're no longer depressed. Or we need to get you to a place where you're no longer getting depressed anymore. And that will be real progress. And that will be victory in your battle against depression. And as I think we've stated already, like, brother or sister, you may very well de battle depression for the rest of your days until you die or Christ returns. And that is not to rob you of hope. It is to comfort you in the midst of your struggle and in the midst of your depression. Victory for you, for us, may very well mean taking your depression to Christ over and over and over again. And you're praying to God and you're saying, I, like, Father, here I am again, right? I'm, I'm despairing. I'm flat. I'm dry, I'm gray, help me, give me grace, sustain my faith that I might trust your son. You know, and we're looking to Christ, his work in our place, and we're taking our sorrow and our despair to him over and over and over again. That, my friends, is a better definition of, of progress and victory when it comes to this, this conversation about depression than what's commonly out there. This is harmful. Right. It's a kind of bondage 
that exists. And it just, it's like, okay, somebody's already despairing and now let's just pile it on. Cause it, if you were just get serious about this and apply the Bible rightly, you'd be better. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> that, yeah. Which only leads to greater discouragement and despair. Yeah, we are called to walk by faith, not by victory. We aren't looking for the victory lap. Word. We're looking for the hope that's in Christ. This is why in Hebrews 4.15 it says, For we do not have a high priest who was unable to sympathize with our weakness, but in every, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. To those who are depressed, I tell you, you can run to God to find grace and mercy in a time of need. That this, this grace and mercy often just may be to get you through the next day, to get you over the next hump, to get you from 24 hours to the next 24 hours. And it, it sounds like, guys, you're just offering no solutions. Well, listen, <laughs> There is a solution. It's called Jesus Christ and him crucified. Our ultimate hope is secure. We are safe in the arms of our dear Savior, but he never promised to fix you here. It's not the promise. And it is a lie, and it it is horrible to be told that you can have glorification now. The more you progress in sanctification does not guarantee you that you will not have the effects of sin. I'm sorry, but yeah, I will exactly. turn up the volume here to to protect the poor innocence that is out there that they've been told to, you need to try harder. And the more you try harder, God will bring you relief here. And I'm sorry, that is just not the promise of Scripture. I'm sorry, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox now. No, yeah. I mean, amen from me. Yeah. I mean, perfection, perfectionism, this side of glory is a lie. <laughs> it is not going to happen. I mean, you will not right. be perfected in your battle against lust. You will not be perfected in your battle against depression. You will not be perfected in your battle against whatever uh, sin that you have. Um, I know everybody likes to take that that John Owen quote, you know, be killing sin or it's going to be killing you kind of thing. And they like to like wield that as like the you know Reformation theology's greatest quote, um, and and certainly I think that a lot of that is taken out of context. But but the fact of the matter is is like if you read Owen's writings, where is he constantly pointing you? Christ and Him crucified. Jesus. And, and something that I also yeah, exactly right. And the other thing that I want to point out, it's right behind John on his bookshelf. If you're watching the video, there is a sign on his bookshelf yeah. that says "Extra Notes." That is a Latin term that means the realities of the gospel, the good news of the gospel, they exist where? They exist outside of you. And and so much, I think, what people are fighting and clawing for in their battle of depression is they are fighting for a greater subjective experience where what we are trying to where we are trying to point you ultimately is the objective realities of Christ and him crucified that the benefits of the gospel are applied to you by grace through faith on account of Christ, that you are saved and safe in him, not in your experience of him, right? That that Jesus has saved you in spite of yourself. And ultimately, as you struggle with your frame in this life and the weaknesses that you have and the depressive thoughts and feelings and, and emotions that you have, you have a greater hope that exists outside of you, extra nos. And, and you need to have that spoken over you that your subjective experience of Christ is not the barometer 
of truth, but rather the life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, enthronement of Christ is. So some listeners may be out there and they're thinking, guys, like, don't we need to use the Bible in our our battle against depression? Don't we need to give people Bible to to help them fight this fight? And my answer to that question is, well, yes, we do, but we need to give them Bible in an appropriate manner. Because often I think we approach the Bible in a ridiculous fashion when it comes to a whole host of things. We we look at the Bible like it's a medicine cabinet, you know, like it's like, here are your verses for depression dispense those. Here are your verses for anxiety. Give people those. Here are your verses for lust. Here are your verses for anger. Here are your verses for pride, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and then it produces this kind of absurd scenario where we almost look at people and we say, hey, are, here you're depressed. Okay, here are these three verses. Take these. And I'm sure by the time we grab coffee next Tuesday, you're going to be doing a lot better. Yeah, if you'll That's just right. take these and meditate on them, you know, really think these over, pray over them. I'm sure you're going to be doing better the next time we hang out. And it's just absolutely patently ridiculous, you know, to approach depression or any sin battle like that. And here's the thing. So when we give people scripture, right now we're talking about depression. We're talking with a depressed brother or sister, and we want to give them Bible. Well, what the Bible reveals, friends, is the utter faithfulness of God. And what the Bible reveals is the plan of redemption that God has made from before the world began that would be accomplished through Christ Jesus and applied to sinners by faith through the work of the Holy Spirit, right? So that's what the Scripture reveals. The Scripture reveals Jesus Christ crucified for you, Jesus Christ's Mm -hmm. perfect life for you, Jesus Christ's Mm -hmm. triumphant resurrection for you. You're safe and secure, and Jesus Mm -hmm. has secured your future. That is what the Bible reveals, and so that's what we need to be pointing people to when we give them scripture in the midst of depression, not, you know, well, here's this, or like, or somebody's anxious and it's like, well, you know, Jesus said, be anxious for nothing, you know, and, yes. and you just need to, you just need to take that seriously and, and, and you'll be doing better. Yeah. So we need to use the Bible well and point people yeah. to the faithfulness of God in Christ in the midst of their depression. Right. No, that's really helpful. Yeah. Well, yeah, the Bible is not a, a medicine cabinet take two of these and talk to me in the morning, which I think is dangerous. That's right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. G- Jesus pills. Well, certainly we could continue to talk about this all day. And frankly, I do think it's a conversation that comes up between the three of us a lot. Uh, but something I think we should pivot to in our members podcast is, is really, you know, how do we counsel those who are serial sufferers of a depressive state or melancholic state? Yeah. And so we're going to hop over to our members podcast and talk about that here in a few moments. Just want to thank you as a listener for tuning in to this podcast as we seek to unravel the great things of this life and, and today one of the awful things of this life and talk about it from a reform perspective. Uh, we're going to head over to our members podcast. If you have interest in learning more about that, you can head over to theocast.org and being a member really helps our ministry continue to go forth as we continue the work of the Reformation in today's context. And so thanks for listening. We hope this conversation was helpful to you. We'd ask that you'd share it with those who you think would benefit from it. Uh, To our members, we'll see you in a few moments.